Welcome to the CXR channel, our premier podcast for talent acquisition and talent management. Listen in as the CXR community discusses a wide range of topics focused on attracting, engaging, and retaining the best talent. We're glad you're here. Welcome everybody to another podcast. You're welcome to the CXR podcast. So we're super excited. Uh, we're actually putting this together. It is it, it is a book club uh, meeting that we typically do, but we're going to go ahead and throw this one in. We're throwing in the mix as a recording for our podcast because, well, we just we like the damn book so much, and we like the author. We thought we'd uh, we'd save it for posterity's sake uh, and push it out there. So we do have a number of folks. I think we have about a uh, half a dozen. No, look, we're at a dozen now. We got about a dozen folks in the audience. So I've told them to go ahead and uh, mute for now. John and I will start talking a little bit, and then we'll open it up. I think a little bit towards the end should be a fun maybe 20, 30 minute conversation. So if you're on your treadmill, you're in for a good chat, a uh, good workout. That's how you can keep track of that. Uh, and we'll just jump in. John, welcome back. Uh, it's good to see you. Great to be back, Chris. Good to see you as well. Hey, everybody. Yeah, it's good follow up to our last conversation. Uh, book that you have written, one of uh, my two copies, because I have one that I have torn up with notes and tags yeah. and folded pages, but this is my clean copy. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. The one for show. I love it. That's right. That's right. So, John, for those uh, who don't know you or who, God forbid, missed the last uh, podcast that we did or last meeting that we had, do you want to give us you want to give us that pitch of who John is and then give us an overview of the book that we're going to chat about real quick? Yes, absolutely. So hello, everyone. John Graham, Vice President Global Employer Brand, Diversity and Culture at Shaker Recruitment Marketing. Uh, I uh, help companies make sure their employer brand marketing actually matches reality. Uh, helping uh, to improve lived experiences of marginalized talent as well through DEI consulting. Longtime friend of, uh, of, the, of the family here, uh, so it's good to be with you. Uh, plantation theory, the, the, uh, the Black professionals struggle between freedom and security is the book. Uh, and it is uh, equal parts memoir as uh, historical record, uh, but captures the lived experiences of Black professionals and uh, modern corporate America and connects the dots between history and the modern day lived experience. So, yeah. Good stuff. Good stuff. I, I enjoyed that. I know we talked last time a little bit about why you wrote the book yes. uh, and why you felt the timing was right. Uh, and I got to tell you, ha having gotten through it, there are some elements of the book that I found very powerful. Uh, and I do want to open it up to everybody to, to kick in. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah, and there were some fun uh, pieces in there, but there was one thing, and I was talking when we, we were in Vegas last week at HR Tech. God yeah. help us. Uh, we yeah. were in HR Tech in Vegas for a week is why I say that. Uh, but there was a conversation that was had, and your book came up, and we were talking a little bit about it in terms of the lens in which we all look at things. And I will tell you very selfishly, because it's our show, I'll start first. There, there, I haven't seen nearly as much of what you share in this, in my, in my reality and in my experience as a white man, right. In, mm -hmm. in, in fortune companies. Sure. And I find myself of late asking myself, uh, what have I, what have I glossed over? What have I missed? Uh, and certainly with all the things mm. that have happened within the last couple of years. Now I have seen some very ugly things happen and I, ha I have tried to take a stand when I felt like I was doing the right thing. But mm -hmm. as I read through this, so much deeper and so much more. Uh, and the part of the conversation I'm referencing this last year is that I am wondering, I find myself wondering every time a topic comes up now, if, if I have this opinion, because 
uh, I've just sort of arrived there on my own or mm. because I, I now must second guess the, the way that I am perceiving this because I have been ignorant to an entirely other lens or entirely other viewpoint. Does that, does that resonate at all? Was that sort of the a piece of the objective of the messaging that comes out of the book? 100%. The, the fact that you're, that you're oh. consciously questioning now is, is the goal, right? It, it moves out of automaticity, moves you out of automaticity, moves you into conscious examination of scenarios and, you know, help, hoping to have given some language around or some perspective around the experiences that you have not been privy to or made aware of based on socialization, proximity, uh, you know, uh, where you live, the homogeneity of, of, of communities, things of those natures that, that largely wouldn't give you access to this language that you've seen in the book. So, yes. Uh, I think we've uh, accomplished the mission in some sense. <laughs> well, I'm a work in progress. I'll look <laughs> we uh, all are. Yeah. There was a story that you shared that really resonated with me um, with regards to, there was a back and forth you were having with one of the senior HR leaders. And I think you mm-hmm. were, I think it was partially in person and then it, it moved to text. I think you said one morning you had a back and forth text of Volley. Yeah. Where you, she called you an agitator and basically said, pump the brakes. <laughs> like like sit down be quiet sort of mm. sort of mm. that move yeah. uh and i identified with the element of in, in my experience people have said you always want everybody to go 100 miles an hour slow down right mm. slow down and, and try to take us there and one of the best pieces of advice i ever got was that as when you become a director when you become a leader um within corporate it's being a director is not about getting shit done it's about taking people with you that is the difference of a strong leader right but never in my wildest dreams would I have applied that that same sort of conversation in in the way that it had happened to you. And it uh-huh. felt in reading your perspective of it, and I'll take a breath here in a minute, in reading your perspective of it, I had to sit down for a minute because it really felt like when I had been told to slow down, it was slow down. When you had been told to slow down from this perspective, it was slow down and be quiet. And I, so let me stop there. Is that is yeah. there anything you, you want to add to that? Yeah, I mean, if you look at the historical record, wait has been told to Black folks for hundreds of years. Just wait, right? We'll get there. Wait, right? Martin Luther King spoke about the, uh, the insidiousness of wait, especially when it came to the, to the white progressive. And so, you know, understanding like, at a deeper level how language crosses cultural and racial realities um, there's deep psychological work uh, in the area of pragmatics, um, and it really speaks to the three levels of conversation that are happening at any given time. And there's a linguistic, there's a paralinguistic, and then there's a psychological. So just understanding this at the linguistic level, it's taking the words for what they are, and then you know applying uh, your own perspective to them as you hear them. The paralinguistic is the hand motions, the gestures, the physical, the visual representation that communicates as well. Then there's a the psychological, which uh, heavily relies on the, uh, the hearer uh, or the listener to infer what's being said without what actually is being said. When we look at racial realities and how we communicate, Black folks in a lot of non-white cultures prioritize the linguistic. So what you say, right, your word is your bond right? Mean what you say, say what you mean, all of those things, that's heavily in the linguistic. The psychological is the implied meaning, saying things that aren't being said 
and understanding those. So if we're looking at just the difference in cultural connection in terms of communication, we're already at a disconnect. And most people don't even know that. So when she was saying what she was saying, she was communicating through her own racial reality, through her own cultural uh, means of communication. What I heard is very different. Uh, and that's that was what you saw documented was my reaction to that because the way I'm receiving what she's saying um, didn't it it did not meet her where she was intending to go, uh, and I didn't have the um, I guess the uh, the capacity to care <laughs> at that point right like uh, the 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 emotional connection to what she was saying linguistically did not resonate for me so. Well, I imagine yeah. there was an element of you, you just kind of too damn tired for, for some of that, right? Oh, like if that's a conversation, yeah. or at least in your headspace, a conversation that's happening over and over and over. Oh, for sure. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, and also it's it, the insult came at just sort of the implication that we need to wait for them to be comfortable for change. Right? Again, if we're talking about actual solutions and improvement of lived experience, then it, it shouldn't be based on your, your comfort. I understand in reality it has to it has to be because that's where the power structure lies, but that is the frustration in the work. So, yeah, I think the the storytelling, the timing of this the story that you're telling, right, this path, yeah. sits nicely with within the the world of the pandemic because there was a mm. point made in there, and I was thinking it kind of along the way of why does it take so long for the pivot? Why does it take so long for actual structural change, mm -hmm. right? Why does it take so long for impact versus intent? And you sure. called it out, and I think a lot of people probably reading it were thinking the same thing. When the pandemic hit, organizations that couldn't, couldn't work remote, couldn't, the infrastructure wasn't there, the budget wasn't there, the capabilities just were impossible, the culture wouldn't allow you to work remote, it'll destroy our creativity. They pivoted on a dime and in 30 days, they had full infrastructure built out. They were fully remote. Like they made it happen because it was a business imperative. Yeah. That's right. That's right. So, so, so now it proves that it's not a capability issue, purely yeah. a willingness issue. Right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Which was yeah. ugly. Felt what, ugly. What strikes me about the, this conversation about the waiting issue was it, it gave for me a new new appreciation for one of the meetings that we had a couple of years ago where we were talking about DEI issues in, in particular gender um, equity and mm. and most of the studies had indicated it would take somewhere between 70 and 150 years <laughs> to reach parity yeah to reach parity mm -hmm. and 70 years was the least of the studies. And I remember one of our members um, in, in kind of the, 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 the moment of silence uh, around that basically just said, I'm tired of waiting. Mm. And, mm. and it provoked a whole set of conversations around, around why. What, what is, how do you make this an imperative? Because it can be done immediately. You know, some aspects of it can certainly be done immediately. The other, the other um, thing that hit me, because I, I, I really love the book. Thank you. Um, it, helped, it helped me see, you know, a view that I, I totally 
could have not experienced. Mm-hmm. Um, and re- and I recognized that we see reality in different in different ways, different, and there are different realities that exist within the same frame. The two pages that had the most impact on me was your description of how you would advise or how you would approach uh, young black men and women coming out of school um, in advising them about what they're about to experience if they choose to come work for the company. Yeah. And, and I had two reactions. The first reaction was, oh my God. Um, it felt so negative. It's like, that's terrible. That, that was, it felt so negative. Who's going to take that job? That's a, you know, oh, really? Um, I had, I, you know, I, I really struggled with it. And then, and then I also realized, because we've had, in fact, I know Nicole was in a panel where we had a long conversation uh, about a number of the issues. And one of the conversations that came up in the panel was whether interns who are from underrepresented groups should, should be, uh, expectations should be set differently in relation to what they're going to encounter as an intern, in part because they may not have had an experience in which people coach them. They may not have had a prior experience in, as an intern. Um, and so rather than them overreacting in relation to some of the, some of the natural things that, that are taking place or unnatural things that are taking place, uh, they, that the conversations with folks who are in underrepresented groups should be, should be couched differently. And in terms of the setup for what you're going to experience and that, that gave context to what you you had said with those two pages, mm-hmm. um, and I and I I kind of rethought that over and over again, as to if would I do the same thing? And you know, mm-hmm. the more the more I took on that mantle of of what you see and what you've faced over time, the more I would most likely want to be as transparent as possible about the reality. John, when, when I, I just, I'd like to ask too. So when I read that piece and it was, you're going to get told to sit down and be quiet. You're going to get paid less on the dollar. Uh, you're going to, you're going to work really, really hard and it's going to shine a light on white mediocrity. You, you, there are going to be microaggressions and out, over, like you're going to deal with all that. At first I was like, Jesus, he's setting the stage for these folks to just have a really miserable expectation but then i kept kind of reading and i was wondering if your stance on that was maybe you want to reconsider sort of working for somebody and rise up and sort of be the boss Hmm. right and and pave your own way and i just i wanted to ask kind of your thoughts on that and then how you how do those conversations go when when you have them yeah yeah there's a there's a sentiment of that for sure and and explicitly uh you know, rethinking the premise, right? The, the premise that's been sold, uh, go to school, get the degree, get the job, work 30 years, retire, die. That that largely doesn't account for a few things, but, you know, putting it in front of you to say, this is what you're going to face. And right, I, I can say this with a high degree of certainty because I know that the experience is universal, right? I don't have to talk to many people explicitly about what they experience uh, because I already know and they can confirm uh, you know, 
for the most part. So knowing that those are the things that are going to be faced, it's not a question of if, it's a question of when. Um, how are you going to deal with that? How do you better prepare, be clear on what you're experiencing when you experience it so that you have the tools to, to deal with it and manage? Um, ultimately, I don't suggest that people don't go into corporate. What I suggest is if you're going to go in, know what you're going to go in with your eyes open, know what you're going to experience. Additionally, go in with a purpose, go in with a plan, a strategy. What are you there to learn? What are you there to gain? What skills, what relationships and networks do you need to build? Uh, what acumen and exposure uh, do you need to gain? With that in mind, it becomes a different uh, relationship, right? And even still, there's, there's going to be abuses, but it's, it's up to you to determine when that relationship is no longer serving you and move on. And whatever that opens up or what doors those open up from your time within those environments, um, start thinking about how do you apply that to something you own and can grow, right? And that's really my ultimate message in that section was, you know, don't go in with blinders, right? Nobody tells you these things. And like I said in the book, even my parents who were both in corporate uh, and my father retired at executive level in Ford Motor Company didn't sit me down and tell me what I was going to fix. You know, my mother was an entrepreneur after leaving corporate because she saw the, she saw the bullshit early. So nobody sits you down and tells you these things. There are talks that we have in black households that are requirements for survival. How to handle corporate wasn't one of them, right? And so this is my contribution there to say, you know, just understand that this is what it's like. Do I want it to be like that? Absolutely not. But I'd rather you be aware uh, rather than be blindsided because what we're talking about is impact to uh, mental health, physical emotional, mental health. And I talk to people uh, almost daily who have been broken down to their core, to their studs and have to rebuild after experiencing these abusive relationships for 20 to 30 years. You know, so I'd rather say something than say nothing at all. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm a fan of what you've said. What, what I continue to try to process is how I, from the perspective I have, can be more of an ally to affect whatever change I can affect. Yeah. Well, I, John, I think you do a good Fair job question. in the book, too, because you, you, you lay out not just exactly what Jerry's talking about. I think that's where he's going. But you lay out into this idea of this uh, cultural competency components yep. and you even provide a series of uh and i'll let you talk to them sorry i don't want to stay thunder but you even provide a series of checklists and items and a highly recommended uh, a book by d'angelo uh to really sort of you know go deep uh, mm -hmm. on, on any emotions that maybe came out of the book absolutely yeah yeah there's several books in there uh, throughout that i recommend but i think the the uh executive readiness check uh, is a great place to start. Um, you know, those were, it's funny, in the preface, I suggested this is not a solutions book. Right? Uh, my, my intent was not to give you the, the blueprint to how to fix this. That is something that needs to be arrived at on an individual basis um, and, and ultimately done through asking better questions. And that's, that's ultimately what I preach. Right? Uh, look for better questions that'll provide better solutions. So the question set that I provided in the checklist um, should set you up for going deeper than allyship, 
pushes you towards abolitionist, right? Which is a, a word that we haven't heard in, in the context of corporate uh, because I think allyship has been the focus. Well, I always say allyship falls a bit short because there's no skin in the game. You can return back to comfort the moment it gets too tough. Allyship puts skin in the game and risk. And that's what privilege and power can afford you, right? Is the opportunity to take a risk that won't, you know, sideline you forever, right? It may take a hit, right? You may lose some social standing or some status, but if you're creating pathways and opening doors where others couldn't, then that is where you're putting your power and privilege uh, to good work. Uh, so yeah, the question set, uh, the, the recruiter or the cultural competency checklist for recruiters for sure, huge, right? When we start to think about who we're bringing into the organization, yes, there's a huge focus on attracting uh, marginalized talent. Cool. Let's fix the culture so we're not bringing bodies into burning buildings. But secondly, let's ensure that those, uh, those in power positions or power dominant uh, groups of people are the right people to move your culture to where you want it to be, not the status quo hires, or else you're just sort of, you know, rinsing off a clean car in mud, right? Yeah, so. for sure. Well, I want to open it up. So if you if you're muted and you're and you're in the peanut gallery and you want to chime in, you want to ask John any questions. Now now is a great chance for you to unmute and go ahead and ask uh, and and jump right in. So I'll just take a breath and, and let John take a few questions. Hi, John. I'm Natalia. I really enjoyed your book. And to me, it's not so more the question, but I really appreciated the tone in which you wrote it because um, to Jerry's point, it was a window, uh, a door, an opportunity to see something, right? And when you, you when you wrote that I was walking down the hallway, like I saw you, I saw you. And I think, and I mean it in a bigger, broader sense of like, I saw you, right? Yeah. And, um, and, and that was important. And I also appreciate the way you wrote it where, the because I think staying in that uncomfortable is very difficult. Mm -hmm. And the way you wrote it, you let the reader stay in the uncomfortable, right? Where you're not trying, when I, when I was reading it, I wasn't trying to say what my personal experiences were, like, you know, they kind of, which is very different from a reader perspective, right? Like you usually embody uh, the book, you usually become mm -hmm. the story and you get it, but it, it really let me come along with you. And I think I appreciated that. And um, <laughs> I sent the book to a friend of mine and because uh, I had, you know, I had the copy you signed and then I had a copy that I purchased. So it's really uh, a huge thing. And I appreciate you kind of putting the steps because I think that's the other piece of how do you then create a conversation without mm -hmm. falling to the kind of default of wait and see. And mm. it, but also start a conversation that change never happens from a place of comfort. But somehow around certain subjects, that's what the expectation is. Um, right. So I appreciate that. And I just want to say thank, thank you because it was really gave me an opportunity. And I feel like my brain added, um, there was an addition to kind of my experience. So thank you. Uh, I appreciate that feedback. And uh, it's, it's awesome to hear that you felt like you were being chaperoned through an experience, right? Um, given, given a, a tour, but also being immersed uh, in, in the uncomfortable in, in a way that didn't push you to uh, what we call fragility responses, right? The, the, the shutdown, the defensive, the, oh, this can't be, or the me too, right? Oh, look at my, look at my suffering, you know, and trying to compare. So um, I, I'm glad it, it sparked that, um, 
that openness uh, and, and the dialogue thereafter. So thank you. Well, I'll just share that I'm that friend that she sent your book to. So, <laughs> oh, um, all right. Yep. I just got it on Tuesday. So I haven't okay. read the book yet. I've started yeah. it. And so I want to say she's speaking in truth. She shared the book with me. I'm embarking on a new journey in my career and I'm I'm going in, I'm in an environment that I know is going to be a, a heavy lift. So I'm looking mm -hmm. forward to uh, to reading your book. Oh, thank you, Duana. I, I hope you enjoy it and find uh, some resources and tools in there for sure. But at least to hear your your shared experiences, our shared experiences spoken. So enjoy. Well, I'll jump in and I'm recovering from a, an, an allergy infection. So my voice might go in and out. Um, so I, I applaud everything about this book, John. Um, so those that, those that don't know, so I have been talent acquisition year upon year upon year. Within the last 18, 20 or so months, I took on an expanded role leading all things diversity attraction. So sitting the lens of early career, it's a lot easier. Folks love them some students, right? Then when you take that level of DNI impact to the next level, with leaders that you engage with in a very, very comfortable environment. Now you're engaging with in a, what could be a not so very comfortable environment. And oh, by the way, go, 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 change, change, change. So I made a very conscious decision to read this book when I was um, on vacation. So I took me a nice expanded amount of time, one of two books, and it was fuel, not, not just as a reminder of why I do what I do and who I need to do it for, because it's so much bigger than me and the Danaher, it's, it's, it's those folks that are coming behind me. Um, but I think what you did for me was those, one, connecting the dots, and I'm gonna use this, um, between history and the lived experience. History and data and facts, it, it, it helps to tell the story in ways. Um, I hadn't been as much of a historian, but thanks to you, I am now. Um, so re even reading myself more. So even think about the comment that you made, Chris, around, I had no idea. W we all are on this journey, right? And my now intentionality around history to add to the commentary, to add to the data, it's um, it's proving uh, very beneficial. <laughs> Let's just think. Excellent. Um, Excellent. And one of the things that uh, one of my leaders said, um, he was very, his commentary was very similar to yours, Chris, when you opened up with like, I did not know. He read a few documentary, uh, documentaries and a few books and said, I am there. But what he has not stopped doing is he is reading book after book, history after history. So he is one of probably me, my only white male mm. leaders that said, not only did I turn the corner, I'm keep walking. So mm. I now use him as an example and as an inspiration. So mm. I, I, again, I applaud everything about this um, because it's not only helping me, it becomes something else that I get to sprinkle to leaders. It becomes something else that I get to say, no, 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 no. And here's why. So thank you, thank you. The student mm. piece could not agree more. I use that as an opportunity to say, read the book. I'll let John's words speak, but let me tell you how that comes to fruition internally. So I think those of us that are in attraction roles, we have a responsibility to keep it 100% real because they will see all those things that he put in the book. Now, how you are going to position that in a way that is going to set them up for success, minimally giving them what they can expect, what they might experience, where there might be or may not be resources so that they can make a conscious decision, you're good. People just want to know what they're opting. Well, I wouldn't say you're good. It's still going to be an opportunity, but give folks the opportunity to know what they're opting into. So your book, again, it fueled me in the midst of me looking to be refueled and I can't wait for your next book. 
Yes. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. And thank you. Yes, I um I appreciate that, Nicole. It's um it is it is one thing to um to attract talent, right? And I think you know our philosophy in this work of lived experience-based approach to employer brand and DEI has been simply to say we want to work backwards from your uh, retention strategy, right? And so that if if the people who you already have are not your biggest employer brand ambassadors, why not? because that'll tell you everything you need to know about those coming in and why they're going to leave. So let's address that, right? Let's literally look at representation. Let's look at authenticity. Let's look at development and see where your, your culture gaps are. That is your barometer, your indicator, your leading indicator of what new talent is going to experience. And you can almost get it down to a science of how long it'll take before they leave unless you address these things. So I, I appreciate that in the lens that you're looking at that through. Uh, and definitely feel free to let the book be the mouthpiece for you and follow up with additional information. I, uh, I also want to address uh, the white leader uh, you mentioned uh, who is, uh, you know, taking this, uh, this journey seriously and, and really going forward ahead. I often say that it's, um, you know, if you were uh, educated in America, unless you specialize in history, you have a, a deficient uh, history education, right? And that is that is a fact, uh, and in some cases by design. And so when I do talks at companies, when I do um, fireside chats, and we're looking at this through a historical lens that adds context in places that most people didn't get, there's an, uh, there's a, um, an education rather than an implication happening in which opens people up and wants them to, and, and, and they're hungry and want to be fed more of this because it's a whole world that's been hidden. You know, and that's where history provides context. So I love the idea of examining what. I also try and warn people against going straight to how, right? How do we fix this until you understand why? And history provides that that context to be able to inform your what and make your how better. So yeah, I think I think it's a really good point in terms of the the education system. And I'll tell you the so the book club that that we're meeting with right now. Uh, not all of the things we've done together have been a book. Uh, one of them was actually a Netflix documentary, and it was a mend. Uh, yeah, and I have to tell one. you, uh, there were a couple of moments when my partner and I were watching this for the book club, and we paused it, and she would look over and he goes, I, I, I didn't learn that. I'm like, I didn't learn that. And we'd look at it, and sure enough. So, I mean, there was, there's definitely, that was a light bulb moment for us, thinking like, it's almost like we've been raised to miss that or to gloss over that or to minimize that. And that's when I was like, okay, we need, a, we need more information. We need a little more time to, to digest this and rethink sort of how we're looking at things because we, we got it wrong. Yeah. Yeah, there's, there's a documentary on HBO that I recommend to people. It's not for the faint of heart, but it is probably the most comprehensive history education on this topic, right? From uh, colonization uh, forward. Um, called uh, Exterminate All the Brutes uh, by Raoul Peck, who also did uh, I Am Not Your Negro, which was the documentary on James Baldwin. Either way, uh, it's a four-part series on HBO Max that um, I explained to people when you watch this, uh, you will be able to see the code in the matrix as it were, right? It, it really gives you a crash course understanding in the context, the why, the how, and the way that the construct has been set up and what it's built upon um, in a very uh, 
uh, visually appealing and connecting way. So I highly recommend that one for those who want to go deeper into uh, this this uh, this work and understanding. Good stuff. Well, John, yeah. uh, I want to only give you a chance to take us out with any, you want to give us a website, you want to give us a reference, anything you want to sort of point us to? For sure. Yeah. Uh, for those uh, who want to share this, uh, this work, definitely point them to plantationtheory.com. Uh, also, uh, as we're talking about uh, employer brand talent attraction uh, through the lived experience-based approach, I'm happy to talk more about that. Uh, you can visit shaker.com and, and look at our diversity uh, and inclusion work there. Uh, and other than that, if you ever want to reach out, uh, you want to chat, something hits you, you're in a meeting, you didn't know how to process this thing, or you're looking for ways to, to expand, you can hit me up on LinkedIn. Uh, uh, I'm there probably too much. So. <laughs> we'll, get, we'll put an overlay there with your URL to that. I, I want to thank you again, John, not just for your time, but also for the book. We really appreciate it. My pleasure. Thank you all for reading and investing in the, in the time. You thank you. For, for everybody who's uh, still dialed in and listening or wrapping up that podcast jog, uh, I hope you're going to dial in. We're going to be back on October 12th. We're going to do a live podcast with Joe Wallen. Uh, he is the director of talent acquisition over at Polaris. And we're going to talk about how he fell into talent acquisition. We've all got those great, nobody went to school to be a recruiter. So we're all gonna, we're gonna hear another good story about how people fell into that. We hope you join us live. Uh, until then, we'll see you guys online and we'll see you in the CXR community. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the CXR channel. Please subscribe to CXR on your favorite podcast resource and leave us a review while you're at it. Learn more about CXR at our website, cxr.works, facebook.com and twitter.com slash career crossroads and on Instagram at career X roads. We'll catch you next time.